Okay, we're going to turn to Matthew uh, and probably a couple of other places, but uh, just maybe if we could locate Matthew chapter number 13. It's good to be here. A um, long, long time ago, I'd never left Australia and, uh, you know, just sort of just grew up here. Uh, I was saved. Uh, I'm guessing the year was probably 1975. I remember it more by how old I was than the year, but I was saved in 1975 in Brackenridge. Uh, a, a church started an outreach in Brackenridge, uh, back when Brackenridge was just sort of um, starting and actually a lot worse than whatever you think it is now. Uh, we were one of the first houses in Brackenridge. I lived in 3 Lynors Street, which was a a Fibro Housing Commission house. My parents uh, was the first house they bought. They bought it for eleven thousand dollars, and uh, so uh, and that was kind of under an arrangement with the government. So uh, Brackenridge was was home, and uh, a, a church started an outreach there, and uh, I was saved through the outreach of a local church. Their plan was to plant a local church there. That's why they started there. And they did try to do that, but after a number of years, uh, they stopped. And they said, uh, you know, I don't know what they said back to those who sent them out. Perhaps it was awkward, uh, or perhaps they felt they failed. Uh, but it never got off the ground in Brackenridge. But they had other, they had other outreaches, and, and they had their sort of larger church, and that's all still there. But the one at Brackenridge never really got off the ground and, and uh, they probably felt that was quite a disappointment. Um, uh, I, I don't know that they uh, even know that I'm still here and going. Uh, but as far as I can tell, not a whole lot sort of lasting uh, fruit-wise that I saw came out of that, but, but, but th they led me to Christ. And uh, sometimes you don't realise what you've done. Sometimes you might not really understand that you've actually done more than you realise you've done. Uh, and what you've done and maybe some of the things you said, the conversations you had, the kindness you showed, uh, the, the times you tried to speak to someone about the Lord, may, maybe some of that has borne fruit far beyond what you presently understand. The wonderful thing about fruit in it is that fruit has seeds in it that produce more fruit. And it can often be ongoing. So I, I was saved in Brackenridge, I, I guess, around 1975. Uh, my family had, had never, you know, wouldn't have entertained in their wildest dreams to have gone overseas. Um, eventually, my mother's brother got a job at TAA. And you say, what was TAA became Australian Airlines. Australian Airlines became Qantas. Uh, was swallowed up by Qantas. It was the domestic wing. And, but it was TAA back then. So he got a job in TAA and because you were staff, you got to get discounted flights. So uh, he snaggled it for my mother, who was his sister, to be able to go to Hong Kong for like 4% of the airfare. So she went to Hong Kong and well, what, a, what a big deal it was. We uh, came back and all the family gathered at the Edinburgh Castle Hotel and, uh, to see the photos. And there was a gathering there, everybody was smoking, and I, I remember that. And everyone was looking at the photos of Hong Kong. They were square, little square photos, and they all looked yellow. And um, they passed the photos around, told stories. And, 
And so that was kind of my, my upbringing. And then I, I went to what was, uh, you know, called Nashville High, uh, State High School, which wasn't sort of, you know, the most elite school in the area. And, uh, you know, that was just my journey. But I, I'm really glad that, that people uh, did come to reach me. Uh, and I'm glad as I've, as I've kind of, my life has taken a little different course because eventually I did take my first trip to another country and I was so fascinated. I, I remember my first trip to another country was when I went to America and somebody else paid for it. And uh, I wasn't even pastoring then. We were living in Tasmania. And uh, I remember arriving there and I couldn't sleep. And, and I remember just standing on the, you know, the side of the road because I wanted to see what American traffic looked like. <laughs> and, you know, it was just a day when it, people weren't travelling as much as they... Now many are going to and fro, as Daniel said. But... But, uh, of course, I've travelled a lot more since then. I've got to go to a lot of different countries and I've been in America multiple times and, and uh, seen different countries in Asia and uh, around. And, uh, you know, to me, I just appreciate the uniqueness of what Australia uh, is still. And uh, I, I'm concerned about uh, what's happening in the nation. And, and truthfully, I think some things are inevitable I don't say they're right, and I don't say they ought to be, uh, but I do think it's probably just inevitable. But it isn't just us. Uh, it's happening all around the world. Uh, there's, a, there's a great lurching to the left going on globally, all right? So what you're seeing here is just what is also taking place in other places. But I do appreciate Australia. I appreciate being able to sit and listen to Pastor Stevenson get up to preach. appreciate being able to listen to Pastor Lloyd when I'm here, appreciate the church family. Uh, truthfully, there is no place in the world that I feel uh, more home than home. And, and Australia's always been home to me. Like I said, I, I was born at uh, the Royal Brisbane Hospital. Uh, I went to school at Brackenridge. Uh, you know, my mum worked for Zups Aspley uh, uh, when she was just a bookkeeper. Before that, she was a tour guide at the pineapple factory at uh, Northgate when you used to do tours, remember, and get the free pineapple juice at the end. And uh, so this has been my life. i very much sort of uh, at home here. Uh, I drive around and uh, I remember when people used to hit kangaroos on Albany Creek Road and it was dangerous and you had to be careful. Uh, but it's just good to be here. It's good to be in Australia uh, I, truthfully, I love home, but I wonder what would home be if there wasn't the church here? What, what would it be like to be at home? What would it be like even to come back from the mission field and not have church and not, not even have church to go to? It would be a terrible feeling. It would be, it, I'd, I'd feel like something was wrenched out of my life. That, and so I, I, I'm very glad for the faithfulness of the church. Uh, thank God, as I've said numerous times, for a pastor and uh, his labours, uh, his, his task is not easy, it's difficult and uh, lonely and a lot of other things. But I thank God for the church, thank God that we're still doing missions conference and uh, the church uh, still cares about missions. One of the great strengths of the church uh, has been its concern for people in other places and, uh, and I commend the church for that. I think that Jesus would commend the church for that. I think it's one of the things that the Lord would say, well done, and, uh, and perhaps I uh, keep going. Uh, so, so it's great to be part of a missions conference uh, and to know that we're still doing it 
and uh, increasingly, uh, you know, people are dropping off. They're not doing things that, that they used to do. And that doesn't mean that we should join them. It just means that we should be glad that we're healthy when others are sick. We should be glad that God has still given us some health and uh, that we're not like that. We shouldn't think, well, everybody else is sick, so I should be sick also. Uh, thank God if uh, you're blessed with a certain measure of spiritual health. I have a very simple message tonight. Uh, it was uh, kind of uh, birthed in Thailand, so it's, it's simple for there because I have to keep everything simple there. Uh, but uh, I think uh, I just felt uh, with some adjustment that the Lord would have me share this uh, with you tonight. I'm going to talk about, uh, when I get to it, I'm going to talk about birds and, uh, and, uh, and missions. Birds and missions. And uh, just show you some things in the Bible. I'll show you three brief things. Uh, but uh, hopefully it will be uh, helpful in helping you to understand a little bit uh, of what goes on in mission fields and also here. Uh, William Carey is a well-known missionary, uh, British Baptist missionary. Uh, you may have read his uh, biography. Uh, went to India in uh, 1793. Uh, when you study Carey's ministry in India, you find that uh, today, today we celebrate him as a, as a hero and uh, we celebrate the fruitfulness of his ministry. Uh, but if you, if you read his ministry, you'll find out that actually he had a lot of opposition from multiple sectors uh, in what he was trying to do. Now, you know, if you, if you went to the mission field and you didn't have opposition, it would still be hard enough. If you, if you tried to serve the Lord here and be faithful to God and, and people weren't against you, it would still be hard enough. Uh, but to actually go to another place or, or here indeed to, to try to be a servant of the Lord and live for God and do what you do and then to have uh, multiple sources of opposition coming at you trying to attack you and frustrate everything you're doing and, uh, and war against you. Kerry, Kerry went through that at multiple levels. Uh, something we don't really understand, but, but uh, historical. Uh, in Kerry's day, he had a great opposition from without. And the opposition was based on this. Uh, it was the long-held position of one of the, uh, I'm going to say, the multinationals of the day, the British East India Company, which was a trading company. And uh, the British East India Company uh, believed strongly that any missionary work in India uh, would conflict with their commercial interests and should be prohibited. And the British East India Company had the ear of the government. And so they were lobbying very strongly. Uh, so there was a great political pressure and, uh, and uh, a pressure coming through businesses or a business that had a certain agenda uh, and did not want Kerry to be on the field. And we don't think about that too much, but that was a very real situation he was dealing with. And then, of course, when he did get there, uh, there was a lot of troubles and, and opposition begin to happen, particularly around his family. Uh, Kerry's wife, Dorothy, Dorothy Kerry, uh, she died in 1807. Uh, she had persistent fevers that finally led to a debilitating mental breakdown. Uh, John Marshman, who was a friend of Kerry's, labouring in the same compound, uh, he penned in his writings this, who, and he was a witness to the events, he said, Kerry worked away on his studies and Bible translation 
while an, while an insane wife frequently wrought up to a state of most distressing excitement was in the next room. So Kerry was labouring on this room, trying to do his translation, his Bible studies, and his hysterical, deranged, uh, uh, mentally troubled wife was uh, screaming and doing many things and consistently in the room next door. And all of this is playing out on a foreign field uh, and you're far away from help and home. (coughs) And Kerry had that opposition, those troubles within. Kerry himself records in his own diary, his own hand, Tuesday, December the 8th, 1807. This evening, Mrs Kerry died of the fever under which she languished for some time. Uh, That was his diary entry. Kerry then went on to marry again. His second wife, Charlotte, uh, died also in 1821 and then followed by his first son, Felix. Uh, One might have thought that Kerry, who had already given so much to trying to reach the lost in other places, might have thought it was enough Uh, But he went on to say this to others he was addressing. Is not the commission of our Lord still binding upon us? The question. Is it not still so that that we should do this? Uh, Can we not do more than we are now doing? So Kerry never lost his commitment to the fact that missions was about following the mandate or the the, the, the command that the Lord had given us. The work of the gospel in any place, here and abroad, the work of the gospel in any place <coughs> would be hard enough if you just had a free hand to do it. Yet the work of the gospel uh, is often uh, greatly opposed. Uh, you, you probably don't hear all that, 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 or hear as much as maybe I would hear, uh, but, but, but just... Uh, <coughs> two, two uh, good, well-known missionaries, both, I believe, supported by a church here, have had to return from their mission field the last 12 months, uh, not by choice. Uh, they haven't lost their burden for the lost. Uh, they, don't, they don't feel any less committed to their field. But in matters that were taken out of their hands, uh, they've, uh, they've had to return, uh, both uh, recently. And, and the work of the gospel is constantly being opposed if you're, a, if you're trying to <coughs> do the work of the gospel here in Australia, you're going to face opposition coming from various sources. The work of the gospel, though most often undervalued by men, uh, is apparently uh, in, the, in spiritual realms recognised as being something of considerable value. It's very important. Uh, hence, God is very much for it. Uh, and because God is very much for this and sees this as a really important thing, uh, then the opposition to God, the devil himself, is very much against it. So, so, so uh, I think that, th- that what has happened in uh, Christendom in our day is that we, many of us, have parted company with God's priorities. In other words, we, we have not understood what still really matters to God. Uh, we've not, I believe the only reason the Lord has not yet come back, and I think many of you uh, will be here for the, the rapture, uh, the, the coming of the Lord. I believe that, and, 
you don't have to agree and, and, and see you in the air and you go, you were right. And, uh, and I'll go, I told you. Uh, but I believe that uh, many of you uh, will uh, we'll see that day. I believe we're, we're speeding towards it. I got a text message from a, a pastor not given to this uh, uh, in a church in America just last week and <coughs> he texted me and he said, he said, uh, I've never felt this way before. And he said, but I cannot, I cannot escape the deep sense in my spirit that the coming of the Lord is imminent. Now, he's not an older man, but he's, he's, he's got a good church, successful ministry and and I just texted back, uh, uh, it is the Holy Spirit. And uh, I believe the Spirit of God is witnessing in the hearts of the men of God that the coming of the Lord is imminent. Uh, and I don't believe the only reason that Jesus has not yet come is that there's still some more people he's waiting to get saved. I believe that's the only reason. So the work of the gospel is often opposed. Paul talked about the work in Ephesus, which wasn't his hometown, it was somewhere else. He said a great and effectual uh, a great door and effectual is opened unto me and there are many uh, adversaries. And any time God opens a door to reach people, there'll be uh, adversaries. In, um, regarding the work in uh, the East, or Asia as Paul called it, in 2 Corinthians 1 verse number 8, we read, For we would not, brethren, have you ignorant of our trouble which came to us in Asia. Paul said, we, we, we had a lot of things went wrong, for, well, a lot of bad things happened to us in Asia uh, that we were pressed out of measure above strength insomuch that we despaired even of life. That, that verse is probably the life verse of every Asian missionary. They probably should all have that on their fridge and, uh, and just all look at that and, and, and go, mm. every, everyone who's ever been there understands that. And it was still happening in Paul's day. So the work of the gospel will always <coughs> be attacked. Now... Not only will the work of the gospel be attacked and the workers of the gospel be attacked, but those who sustain and support those workers will be attacked. So anytime you war a war, you do two things. You try to confront the enemy on the field or in the field, but you also try to cut off his supplies. And so if you've studied anything of World War II, uh, you'll find that any time an army got below, uh, beyond its supply uh, lines that it comes to a grinding halt. Uh, 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 Japan came into the war uh, in the way that they did, uh, the bombing at Pearl Harbor, uh, because they felt that America was threatening their needed uh, supplies to, to, find it, to, to enhance their war effort. And so, so how does that translate? It's saying this, uh, the people who are on the field doing the work of God, the work of the gospel, the people here in Australia doing the work of the gospel, will be under attack. The people who are helping and supporting the people who are on the field will come under attack. The people who are helping and supporting the work of God and the work of the gospel here will come under attack. And why will they come under attack? Because there's a sustained effort by the enemy of what God is trying to do to stop what God is trying to do. Uh, and so, so that explains a little bit of what's going on. I don't say you'd feel comforted by that, uh, but, but, but it, is a, it, is a, it is an explanation to some of your troubles. Um, so I want to, to look at uh, uh, something from Matthew chapter 13. I'm going to give you three simple things, and the, and the second part I think will go, I think, will go quicker than the first part. But uh, I just want to show you birds uh, and missions. And, uh, and you say birds, well, let's just read it and then 
and I'll try to give you some brief explanation. I have three places I want you to look at. Uh, Matthew chapter 13, the parable here in verse number three is the parable of what we call the sower and the seed. Well, that's, that's what a lot of people call it. Verse number three, and he spake many things unto them in parables, saying, Behold, a sower went forth to sow, and when he sowed, some seeds uh, fell by the wayside, and the fowls came and devoured them up. Now, if you read on, there were other things that happened to the seed, uh, and, uh, and then uh, the parable is given, and Jesus stops. And in verse number 10, the uh, disciples question him and say, you know, why do you speak to the multitudes in parables? Why, why didn't you just tell us what that meant? Like you gave that very interesting story and then, you know, okay, we're done now. Let's have the closing prayer. And uh, they were like, you should have said more. Why didn't, you, why didn't you explain that more? And he does go on to explain it to the disciples and, uh, and he interprets the parable. That's the good thing about this parable is we don't, we don't even have to really interpret it because he, he already does that. Now, I'll show you the interpretation, but I want to pick up on verse 4 and see that the seed, uh, when the seed went out, the fowls came. So I'm going to say the birds. The birds came and devoured up the seed. Okay, now if you look at verse 19, you get an explanation of that. Uh, verse 19, by the way, the seed is the word of God, all right? So this same parable is in Luke chapter number 8, well, mostly the same. The seed is the word of God, all right? So why are we sowing the word of God? Because the word of God is the, is the power of God under salvation. That's the gospel. So we're not, we're not propagating the word of men. Uh, we're not propagating the, the philosophies of uh, conservatism. Uh, we're not advocating uh, politically. Uh, our job is to give out the word of God and to the unsaved particularly, the gospel and to tell them how to be saved. Now, because I'm in a foreign country, uh, I, I, I am often around people who've never heard the gospel or even a little bit of it and when they hear it, it's really amazing what happens. So, so when they hear it, you can tell by just being present in the room or if you're the one giving it, you can tell that something is going on inside of them when they just hear that. And something is going on inside of them different to if you were trying to sell Amway. Amway's in Thailand. If you're trying to sell Amway, or if you were trying to talk politics, or you were trying to persuade them to do something else, when you give the gospel and people hear the gospel and they listen to it, you see their countenance change. Their countenance, that's their, their external expression, their countenance changing is a, is a window to something going on inside of them. Now, it's quite miraculous because, because it's, not you, it's not your presentation. Uh, it's, not, it's, not, it's just God has attached something to the gospel that is different to anything else. All right? So, so you know, you, you could take a toilet roll, you know, the, the roll of it, and you could stick a wick to it and you could light it up and throw it and nothing will happen. It might look like, look like an explosive, but it wouldn't be a real one. 
But if you took a stick of dynamite and did that, bang, it's going to go off. It's the nature of the object. The gospel is the dynamite. And really, we don't get it out enough. We, the devil tries to tell us that it's, it's just us. It's just the way you look at life. It's just your religious opinion. And what he tries to do, and he does it quite successfully, he diminishes the gospel to us in our mind. So we become the first people to believe his lies. And we think, well, they won't, they won't listen or they'll just think this. We've already persuaded ourselves uh, that, that the gospel is, it might be, you know, it might be 10% effective. And we wouldn't say that, but I'm saying he does a job on us. And we forget the fact that the gospel is the power of God under salvation. I don't know, you can't measure God's power. You can't bottle God's power. Uh, 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 the, you can't, there is, there's no human capacity to fathom the greatness of God. Your mind, the greatest mind can only... If Einstein had devoted his mind to the study of God, the greatest mind can still only go so far in comprehending God. And that just tells us the enormity of God. And so the gospel is the power. The word of God is the seed. And, uh, and so when that is going out, what is the devil doing? The devil is realizing, uh-oh, uh-oh, this, this is not Amway, uh-oh. This, this, this is not religion, uh-oh. This, this, hang on, he's not just talking about himself. He just pulled the dynamite out. This is, this is the gospel. And so, so forces begin to work when you give out the gospel. Unseen forces begin to work. The Holy Spirit begins to work because he's attached himself to the word of God. It is his word. And he confirms, affirms, convicts. He starts doing things inside. So don't be surprised that people start responding different ways to that. Not everybody feels good about being convicted about their, you know, their sin, but we're all sinners. Uh, so the gospel is the seed, it goes out, and then here's what happened. In the beginning of the parable, the, the fowl, the birds came. Remember talking about the birds? The birds came when the seed went out. You ever seen a, does it happen here? Do you ever see a farmer plowing a field and all the birds coming behind that? Because they see their moment of opportunity. And uh, so, so when the gospel seed goes out, you know, what's that you hear? That's the birds coming. Now, the birds in the Bible, uh, birds are, are most often a picture of Satan, the devil, the demons. Okay, now there's a, I said most often, because there's a few occasions, a couple of occasions where, where it would be different to that. When I preached this in Thailand and said that, they said, yes, but the Holy Spirit came down like a bird. I said, most times. I didn't say, I said, most times. I said, you want me to go through and show you all the other times? No, no, we believe you. Well, okay. So, so most times, uh, birds are a, are a picture of the devil. Now, it's, not, it's, not, it's pretty serious because this is the word of God and God's showing us something here and showing us what the devil, what the demons, what the spirits do. And they're all, they're all over. They're everywhere. Uh, and uh, so the word of God has gone out. Here it is, verse number 19. When one heareth the word of the kingdom and understandeth not. Now notice this. Then cometh the wicked one. Now, there's not that many times 
that Jesus directly infers things to the devil. So Jesus doesn't say everything is the devil, but when he says it's the devil, it is the devil. So not every trouble in your life is the devil. if, If there was no devil, my flesh and the world still do a pretty good job of doing me in. But, uh, but there is one, you know, it's, it, there is one. And uh, so, so he is active and he is working and, and th- then cometh the wicked one and catcheth away that which was sown in the heart. So the, the birds steal the seed. The birds steal the seed. Uh, in the Luke 8, same parable, it's worded this way, sort of direct. Then Luke 8, and it's verse 12, then cometh the devil, it says really direct, who's the stealer of the seed? Then cometh the devil. And it says this, then cometh the devil, end of verse uh, 12 of Luke chapter 8, lest they should be saved. That's really, that's, that's good King James English, simple but powerful. Then cometh the devil and lest they should be saved. So what's it about? It's not about what Australia thinks it's about. The real issues aren't what you're seeing being portrayed as the issues. Those things are, to the Christian, just distractions. The thing about the devil is this, he's quite happy for you to be distracted. In fact, you, you are, that's a good way for a Christian to be in his view. Because if you're distracted, then you're certainly not getting gospel seed out. And, uh, and he can't get you lost, but he can stop you getting others saved. And there's a battle going on, and it's really intense, and it's all about the salvation of men. If you want to know what's, your, what's a reason to live, souls, reaching souls... If you want to know why you still uh, should give, it's to reach souls. Because that's what God is, is, is right in the middle of. About everything that you presently see in this world is going to be gone. Uh, in the end, the world itself will be consumed by fire. There's really not anything much lasting here. In the future, I don't know they'll laugh, but it'll be an odd curiosity to them to look back and think about the silly things we obsessed over. And, you know, how, how we, were, we were the people fighting over the wallpaper in the ballroom of the Titanic. We were arguing about the wallpaper and the whole ship had been holed and she's going down. And they'll, they'll wonder about that. They'll wonder why we didn't focus more on the lifeboats. I wonder what it was that, that somehow we didn't understand that the ship had already been holed uh, and that we didn't get it. And when we're not focusing on souls and we're not focusing on reaching the lost, we're, we're being distracted away from that from other things. And the devil doesn't mind if you're distracted. He steals the seed. When we get the seed out, he steals the seed. He steals the seed. Uh, we... Uh, we, uh, we have, uh, uh, you know, Pepsi and, and Boo, they got saved in our church a while ago. They, they have their own massage shop. We set them up to do Thai massage, which in Thailand is their, you know, national. They do it really good. They get a lot of customers. 
And uh, when people come for a massage, you know, they start to relax. Uh, it's, it's a bit like working the night shift. I don't know if you ever did the night shift and you notice that the other people on the night shift loosen up about two in the morning and that's when everyone tells you about their life. That's when you hear it all. Just if you work the night shift, you become part of this little clique of people who are awake when everybody else is asleep and that's when everybody starts, you know, it all comes out. Well, when you have massage, that can happen too. And so Pepsi will work away on the massage and people start talking. And the first thing they'll say is, where, how, where are you from? They'll pick then. He'll say he's from Isan, an area in Thailand. Then they'll say, and this is a routine for him, then they'll say, well, why did you come to Nakhon Sawan? And when he, the reason he came to Nakhon Sawan is because God saved him. He wanted to get in our church. That's the only reason he's there. So he starts telling his story. And, well, they start listening. And they talk and they listen. Well, what's happening now? He, start, he tells them that God made us. Uh, Pastor Joe has taught our church how to witness to people and, and, uh, it's taught, and they've taken hold of that. And so uh, he tells them how God made it because they didn't know that. And they find that really interesting. Huh. They're like, hmm, you know, I always wondered where we came from. And tr- truthfully, I've never met anyone in Thailand who argues with you that, uh, you know, but, but what about apes? Or they really, they, they, they really quite, when you tell them what's true, they and then uh, we explain and go through the gospel. What's happening? The seed, the seed, the seed is going out. Now that person will leave the shop. The seed has been sown. You know what happens? Satan lets the birds out of the cage. Soon as the seed is deployed, the birds are deployed. And the birds come and they try to steal the seed. And so that man will go home and and he'll say to his wife, and, you know, I could do it in Thai, but, but he'll say to his wife, you know, somebody spoke to me today and told me about God. And, and uh, his wife will go, hmm. And then he'll say, uh, you know, uh, it's made me think about uh, where you go when you die, where you're going to go. And very quickly, someone in Thailand will say this to you. They'll say, in Thai, make it back, make it back. Which is, don't, don't think too much. You're starting to get a bit serious. And they, and they use the national philosophy of uh, fun and relax and not serious, which everyone loves Thailand for that, but, but they use that philosophy to hose people down and say, don't think about it. Don't think about it. And so that's a stealing of the seed. That's why the seed has to keep going out because there's an active opposition to steal the seed. Birds do that, the devil. Number two, look in Luke chapter 13. The second thing that the birds do, and remember we've already said that birds are a type of, of, uh, of Satan. They're a type of demons, spirits that are at work. Uh, they, they, they move around. Luke chapter 13. Uh, by the way, the, I don't know what's the first instance, but it's the first one I can recall of the birds being a type of the devil is in Genesis chapter 15, where they come to try to, to, to devour the sacrifice of the saint, uh, uh, which was Abraham. So uh, Luke chapter 13, look here in verse number 18, 19. And so why, why, why are we saying this? Because, because we just want to understand what's going on out there. We want to understand the, the value of this. We, un- we want to understand that, look, you know, we, we shouldn't be getting distracted when there's great uh, work going on. Verse number 18 and 19 of Luke 13. Then said he, unto what is the kingdom of God like? And whereunto shall I resemble it? What will I say it is like? 
It's like a grain of mustard seed which a man took and cast into his garden and it grew and waxed a great tree and the fowls of the air lodged in the branches of it. Now, any time you read about the fowls of the air, any time you see the birds showing up, not our beloved family, but, uh, but uh, the... Because uh, every time I say that, I keep looking at them. Uh, but... Um, the winged ones, uh, every, time, every time you see them in the Bible uh, showing up, any time, now I'll just tell you, you study, any time that comes up, take a second, okay, what, what might that be? Okay, I'm not going to tell you, you know, let you do your own study, but just take a moment to, hmm, what might that be? Why is that said there? Why is that put there? What, what, what did that mean? Okay, because nothing is frivolous in the Word of God. Uh, so so the, 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 he said, I'm going I'm to liken the kingdom of God unto somebody, you know, throwing a small seed into the ground. That seed becomes a big tree and birds come and live in it. So that's the second thing the birds do. Birds are a picture of Satan and the devil. What's the tree? The tree's the kingdom of God. It, got, it, it started out, it started out a small thing. Preaching of the gospel, uh, it started out small. It was insignificant. Rome didn't care about it. But then it became quite significant. What do you mean? I mean, people started getting believing, uh, getting saved. Churches started getting planted everywhere. Uh, a, great, a, great, a great thing broke out where the, the kingdom of God became like a great tree. Soon as that happened, and this is the second thing the birds do, this happens on the mission field. It happens here. It's still happening today. Soon as that happened, the birds come and get in the tree. So the birds being a type of Satan, they find a home hiding in the branches of what James called true religion and undefiled. So hiding in the branches of the true religion is the false religion that the birds are. So the birds have found a place in religion. What does this mean? It's false religions. It's false religions have made a home amongst the true religion. So if, imagine if the, if the only <coughs> Christians in the whole world, the only Christians in the whole world were people who were truly saved and Christian. If that was the only Christians in the whole world in any place, there would be no confusion. It would be super clear what is a Christian and what isn't a Christian. Every true Christian would know how he became a Christian. So he would be able to, whatever else he disagreed with, he'd be able to give the gospel and explain what we all know to be true, that no man saves himself, that we're all born sinners, that Christ died for us, his life for ours, uh, that we could, we could live, we could be forgiven of sin, and he gifts to us eternal life and forgiveness of sins, if every Christian, if the only Christians in the world were the true Christians, there'd be no confusion. If a person didn't want to believe, they didn't want to believe, but at least they'd know what they were dismissing. But that's not our situation. That's not our situation. There is great confusion. Great confusion. And, and the measure of damage the birds have done is 
probably immeasurable. Because they confuse people. You don't know how many, how many Thai people strongly dislike Christians. I mean, they'll, they'll tolerate Muslims. Thailand is a Buddhist country, hello, uh, 90, 95% Buddhist, uh, about uh, 3 to 4% Muslim. Uh, uh, real Christians would be point something, zero, one percent, less than 1%. But, but Thailand, and I'll just say Thailand because I'm there, but this would be true to just about everywhere, will tolerate almost everything is okay except true Christianity. They're, they're very much, they're, 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 not, they're, not, they're not for Christians, despite the public facade. Actually, it, they're very active against Christians. There's a lot of confusion. Do you know who one of the strongest, most active persecutors of Christians in the world is? And you don't know, and you'll go, is the Catholic Church. Now, because we're in Australia and we don't see that, we think, well, the Catholic Church, they've got their building over the hill, and we're here and whatever, you know, I, you know, different people I work with, they're Catholic and we don't see much of that. But I can tell you that they are active persecutors of Christians all over the world and including Thailand. In fact, the Thai Religious Affairs Ministry which is under the culture ministry of Thailand, the religious affairs ministry, which takes upon itself responsibility for all religious groups in Thailand to the point of uh, everything that they do, uh, uh, under their wing of, of where Baptists fit is under Protestants, but above Protestants, the governing body that monitors all Christian behaviour in Thailand is the Thai Catholic Church. So, well, how did that ever happen? Uh, I don't know. That's probably somewhere historically they got a foothold and they said to the Thai Buddhist government, we are Christian, we'll monitor all the Christians. And the Thai government somewhere signed off on that. And so they're active, aggressive persecutors uh, of any true religion because Catholicism knows it gets exposed as being a falsehood and a lie when the truth is presented. And so they don't want that. Now that's going on. So what is that? They're the birds in the tree. That's the confusion. The birds, the false religion that found a place amongst the true religion. I mean, found a place to hide, to nest. Uh, they, they talk of Bibles, crosses. They have a Jesus. They talk of God. Uh, they, it sounds the same. It looks like the same tree, but it's not the same tree. These are birds nesting in the tree. They're nesting in the tree. And you say, well, why doesn't God remove the birds from the tree? The same, why, the same reason that he does not remove the, uh, the tares from the wheat. Okay? And in the, it's not coincidental. It's in the, in the, uh, the, the, same, the, same, the same chapter uh, in Matthew. You have the, the story of the, the wheat and the tares. And remember that, that the enemy sowed a false crop amongst the real crop. And, and when people saw that, they said to the boss, do you want us to go and try to pull out all the false bits? And he said, no, don't do that. You'll disrupt the whole harvest. Wait to the end. And in the end, we'll bring the whole lot in. And then, we'll, then that which is not the real crop will send to the fire. And that's what's going on. That's why he hasn't pulled it out yet. Because nesting in the tree uh, are the birds. But in the end, 
they'll have no place because they're not of the kingdom tree. They're not, they're, they're not, they, they weren't birthed of this seed, this gospel seed. Uh, they, they, they've come in and found a home there. And every false Christian religion is those birds. That's the second thing. It causes great troubles to missionaries on the field, is what I'm trying to say. It's part of the opposition they deal with daily. It, 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 they, they, they won't always tell you, but, but it's, it's very prominent. It's, it, it gets very, very, very aggressive, particularly in South America, uh, in the Philippines, uh, in a lot of places, if somebody uh, dares to, to trust Christ. So, so the birds eat the seed, the birds nest in the gospel tree, and all of this is a way of opposing the gospel. And there's another thing the birds do, and, and this is my last one, if you go to Ecclesiastes chapter number 10, and Big Brother Shemish, you had to hit the Old Testament at some time. And what finer place than Ecclesiastes? If I was going to shout out my favourite book, I think I'd shout out Ecclesiastes. And not for all its, you know, not for the melancholy part, although probably something in me deeply embraces that, but, but just the, uh, the wisdom of it. Just the, the wisdom in identifying life here on the earth. It's so very good at doing that. And there's a lot more Ecclesiastes than people read. People read over things. I'm going to give you an example of that. So the three things the birds do, one, they steal the seed, two, they nest in the the kingdom of God tree. Here's number three, Ecclesiastes 10, verse 20. And this means more than you might think it means. And it means something for you. You've been affected by this thing in verse 20 and you probably didn't even know you were affected by it. Here it is, curse not the king... No, not in thy thought. And curse not the rich in thy bedchamber. For a bird of the air shall carry the voice. And no, notice this. And that which hath wings shall tell the matter. So like I say, anytime you come across the birds, you should, hmm, what does that mean? Okay, now I have a commentary Bible. I won't tell you what it is. Somebody gave it to me and it works very well. But the author's comment about this, and it's just his comment, but he's not here tonight. Uh, But uh, his comment is, uh, he puts spirits. These are demon spirits. And they are. He's rightly identified it. See, now you read over that. Here's what God is saying. Don't even in your thoughts curse somebody or start that process in your mind. Okay, the first thing he said is your thoughts. And then he said, don't speak it out, don't say it out loud in your bedchamber, which means in the privacy of your bedroom. Now, my bedroom away, well, I won't get into it, but yours here, you assume to be private. I don't have privacy where I live, but, but you assume yours to be private. And what he's saying is, don't, don't even speak it in the privacy, because here's what will happen. Those birds, which are spirits, which are demons, they take that and they take it to other places. Now, you've already been affected by this, though you may not have known, but now I'm just going to name, I'm going I'm to explain what you've seen but didn't notice. Or you saw it, but you weren't sure what it was. So here's what it is. You're thinking bad about someone in your mind. Let's say you haven't spoken it yet, but you're thinking it. 
and you think you think bad things about them or and it's just it's in you but you you haven't spoken it and you certainly haven't told them but now here's what happens is a certain awkwardness seems to be in between you and them and maybe you notice they're looking at you a little differently and you might start thinking what's going on you 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 haven't you haven't understood but your thoughts have been taken those birds carry things let's go further you spoke it in the privacy of your home but it didn't stay there because the birds picked it up and they took that and they, they, here's their goal as it pertains to missions and the work of God their goal is to sow discord their goal because if you can sow discord you can disrupt a lot of things uh, I couldn't begin to tell you how much discord is responsible for the undermining of a great amount of work on the mission field. Much work on the field comes to grief and a bad end or is highly frustrated by discord amongst the brethren. Discord amongst the brethren in a church. So, so you, have, you have in heaven, you have what, I'm going to call it like a judicial system, all right? So God operates a system where everything is just and fair, okay? And that plays out a number of ways. Asap in Psalm 73 complains about the fact that he was being, and you can look it up, he uses the word chastened of God. He was feeling like, I'm living right, but I'm getting chastened. And what he said is actually very theologically correct. Because a Christian gets chastened, whereas an unsaved person often will not be judged for their sin now because they're going to be judged in the time to come. No one gets away with anything. So a Christian may be chastened now. That's part of God's judicial system. You may be, you're forgiven of all your sin. You're going to go to heaven. Your name's in the book of life, guaranteed. So when you misbehave down here, what God will do, he'll chasten you. So he chastens you like a father and a child. That's part of his judicial reckoning. So what about the unsaved? They get judged in hell. They're going to go to different levels of torment. Okay, so here's the, the thing here. When you say something bad or when you think something bad, particularly against people in authority, okay, they pick up on that and then they go to God and they accuse you. This is all, it's all correct. They accuse you and they say, did you hear what he said? You, now you're thinking, well, I said that privately. They're saying, did you hear what he said? He spoke against the king in the bedchamber. You have to judge him for that. You can't let that go. He has to be accountable for what he said. And what happens is discord starts breaking out in relationships because of things you're thinking about people. I don't say you think about everyone, but did you ever have reoccurring bad thoughts about someone? Maybe it was just put in your head. They're thinking this about me or they're, they're this or they're, you know, it just kept coming to your head. They're probably going to do this to me. Just bad thoughts. Uh, or, or worse, you speak it out privately. We have a rule in our, in our home. We've had it for a long time. You don't speak out loud. You don't say anything bad about anyone in authority in our home. We don't allow that. And, we, and if I hear it even reaching that, I cut it off. Because we, we have a rule you don't do that. He's saying, and I'm trying to tell you, that birds sow discord. And so the way you'd stop that is, number one, you, 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 
you, you don't think it. Or you ask God to purge the thought out. Okay? I want to be able to look at everyone here tonight, and I'm not here every week, but I want to look at every example. I want to be able to look at every, everyone here tonight, everyone, everyone, everyone. And I want to have just a peaceful way I think about everybody here. I don't want to have any thought in my mind that, you know, hello, Pastor, how are you? But really, I'm thinking something about you because I know that would never just stay with me. You say, but you never spoke it. No, I don't have to because they will take it and they'll lodge it in Pastor's heart and then he'll be, you know, and that's what happens. You get a discord. So you've got to guard your thoughts and you've got to not even say it. Discord damages the work of the gospel. It damages it. How many people have left a good church over a personality issue? And, and personality, we all clash with personalities, you know, that's normal. How many people have left a good church over a personality issue, over thoughts about something? And let's not get into who was right, who was wrong, but here's the, here's the, here's the end of it. They're out of church. Less people are caring about the gospel. Uh, Less people are giving to missions. Uh, Can you see there's a real... Discord has real practical costs. And the devil is a master, the birds, of sowing discord. So you've got to guard against that. You say, this is about missions. You you don't know how much this is about missions. You don't know how much this is about... you, You don't know the lengths the devil goes to to try to turn you against the people you work with and turn them against you and put in scenarios that trick people and it's evil. It's all an attempt, discord, troubles, uh, stop it, break it up. So there's three things there that we're going to finish that we just, as we're thinking about missions and I'll try to be more cheerful tomorrow night, is, um, is that we just need to be careful of. It's a reality of the work of God. They steal the seed. They steal the seed. Uh, they nest in the tree. They do great damage. And number three, they sow discord. And all of that is destructive to all that we're trying to do here. And we need to be mindful of it. Let's have a word of prayer and then I'll step us and we're done. Father, thank you that uh, we're in a church that... Uh, really does care about reaching people with the gospel and, and is, 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 is the mindset is prevalent in the church. The church tries, Lord, to walk in accord with you in the matter of reaching the lost here and abroad. And, uh, Lord, uh, we would not want to be ignorant of the devices of our enemy. Uh, we would not want to think that somehow we're in a business park instead of a battlefield. Uh, conditions oppose us, they don't help us. Lord, we pray for your strength. We understand that uh, the work of God, my part in it, starts with me. So help help me, Lord. Help us all tonight. We pray for our missionaries. Help them to walk in accord, in, in unity with their co-laborers. We pray for this church, that God, you would uh, purge out any seeds of discord that that you would forgive any utterances that should not have been said, that you would help us to have humble hearts and, and want to uh, walk in accord with our brethren in a way that's pleasing to you. 
Uh, please bless our church. We covet your blessings as uh, Pastor Stevenson preached. We want to have your hand upon us. Bless our pastor. Bless those who labor here. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.